This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Monday, February 26, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Still no wins for Nikki Haley, and now one big loss as a primary source of campaign funding has ceased. Julie Walker will have that. Navigating paths forward in the wake of an Alabama Supreme Court decision surrounding IVF. I'm Clayton Neville. A man illegally in the U.S. and his brother both in jail after the death of a University of Georgia nursing student. I'm Jeff McKay. Using an SUV to barrel into a luxury dealership to steal high-priced cars. Lisa Dwyer reports on who's behind the theft. The stock market is coming off a week of big gains and record highs, but there are bumps in the road in the months ahead. I'm Peter Shacknow. Inflationary price hikes have changed the way many Americans shop. I'm Jackie Quinn. All ahead on America in the Morning. On Sunday, the Koch organization, a vital source of funding for Nikki Haley, ended their financial support for her, saying they would now be focusing more on House and Senate races for the 2024 election. As correspondent Julie Walker reports, this comes as Donald Trump easily won the South Carolina primary and both candidates prepare for Michigan's primary tomorrow. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. This was a little sooner than we anticipated. It was an even bigger win than we anticipated. Donald Trump has now swept every contest that counted for Republican delegates, including Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. There's never been a spirit like this, and I just want to say that I have never seen the Republican Party so unified as it is right now. But two-time former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley says despite losing, she's staying in the race at least through Super Tuesday. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. (laughs) South Carolina has spoken. We're the fourth state to do so. In the next 10 days, another 21 states and territories will speak. They have the right to a real choice. In all but one primary since 1980, the Republican winner in South Carolina has gone on to be the party's nominee, the lone exception, Newt Gingrich, in 2012. I'm Julie Walker. Continued national reaction and more uncertainty surrounding a recent state Supreme Court decision in Alabama related to in vitro fertilization. Correspondent Clayton Neville has the latest. The Alabama Supreme Court recently ruled that frozen embryos created through in vitro fertilization are children, in turn, are human life. Doctors now essentially are subject to legislation related to the wrongful death of a minor if an embryo is destroyed. Since the ruling, medical providers in Alabama are limiting or pausing treatments altogether, unclear of where they stand legally. Former President Donald Trump, meanwhile, has expressed support for IVF and called on Alabama to reverse the court's decision on embryos. It was a hot topic on the weekend talk shows. Republican Congressman Byron Donalds was on NBC's Meet the Press. 
said IVF is something that is so critical to a lot of couples. It helps them breed great families. Our country needs that. Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom on CNN. This is a serious threat, not just what's happening in Alabama, regardless of what Trump tweets out saying the legislature in Alabama should do about something about this. I worry about the United States Supreme Court that again set the tone and tenor for the debate we're having today. And again, it's not just a war on travel. It's not just a war on reproductive health care. It's also a war on women more broadly defined, including as we no contraceptives. Planned Parenthood President Alexis McGill-Johnson spoke with MSNBC. What these decisions do is not only take away, right, deny the freedoms of us to decide whether and when to become parents, but they also are now saying how we become parents. Texas Governor Greg Abbott told CNN that states have to navigate laws in complicated situations moving forward and that there is more to figure out. I have no idea mathematically the, the, the number of frozen embryos. Is it, is it one, ten, a hundred, a thousand? Uh, things like that matter. What I, what I don't know is uh, families who may have frozen embryos, what happens if they were done so that a mother could uh, have a pregnancy, but uh, after those embryos were frozen, the mother passes away. What happens then? Uh, what happens if after the embryos are frozen, the uh, the, the mother uh, mm-hmm. and, and the husband, uh, they get a divorce? He said at this point, no one knows exactly what the potential problems are. And because of that, don't know what the potential answers are. I'm Clayton Neville. Illegal immigrant charged with murder. That story when America in the morning continues after these messages. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. Well, where may the weather slow you down today? Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson with the forecast. Which has been the case recently, most of the active weather today will be found out west. A storm will spread rain showers up and down the west coast from Washington to California. Nothing all that heavy or widespread is expected, but wet roads and reduced visibility can lead to slower travel from Los Angeles and San Francisco northward to Portland. There'll be just enough cold air in place that a few wet snowflakes can mix in with the rain around Seattle. Rain will spread further east across the valleys of northern Nevada into Idaho and Utah with snow over the mountains. Snow will also 
also fall over the Cascades into eastern Oregon and western Montana. A little snow will also extend into the Colorado Rockies. Further south, a few rain showers will dot parts of northern Arizona and New Mexico. And across the northeast, the day will start off with some snow showers across New England with a mix of rain and snow showers closer to the coast, including Boston. A stray shower cannot be ruled out as far south as New York City, but morning clouds will give way to increasing sunshine and milder temperatures across much of the northeast this afternoon. More clouds and a shower or two will be found across the central Appalachians into Virginia. The Great Lakes will have a mix of clouds and sunshine with highs in the 40s and 50s. Meanwhile, much of the southeast will have beautiful weather today with partly the mostly sunny skies and highs in the 70s. It will be quite warm across the southern plains with highs in the 80s with a taste of summer over western Texas where highs will be in the 90s. The northern and central plains will have mild and pleasant weather today with highs ranging from the 50s across the north to 60s and 70s further south. And that's the weather across America. In Philadelphia today, partly sunny, high 59. Meanwhile, in San Diego, showers with a high of 65. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. Immigration and Customs Enforcement has confirmed that the Venezuelan national charged with the murder of a 22-year-old University of Georgia nursing student entered the country illegally via the southern border in 2022. America in the Morning's Jeff McKay has the latest. Fox News reported that 26-year-old Jose Antonio Ibarra moved from El Paso, Texas, where he illegally entered the country, to New York City, where he was arrested last year but was released before a detainer could be issued. Ibarra now faces felony murder, malice murder, aggravated battery, aggravated assault, kidnapping, and other charges in the death of Lakin Hope Riley after it was confirmed by authorities that she died of blunt force trauma. University of Georgia Police Chief Jeff Clark. It is supported by key input from the community, physical evidence, and expert police work. Importantly, we were assisted by video footage. Ibarra's brother, Diego, who was also living in Georgia, was arrested during the investigation into Riley's death, charged with possessing a fraudulent green card. Diego Ibarra has an arrest record of his own, busted last year on charges including drunk driving, driving without a license, and shoplifting. Both brothers, who are undocumented, are being held currently without bail. A funeral for Riley is scheduled to be held on Friday. I'm Jeff McKay. It sounds like a scene out of a Hollywood movie, but it happened in real life in Wisconsin. Lisa Dwyer reports a group of teens used an SUV as a battering ram to get into a Range Rover dealership and drive off with nine high-priced cars. Sunday's heist at a Jaguar Land Rover dealership in a city just west of Milwaukee was captured on surveillance camera footage. In an interview with WISN, Waukesha Police Captain Dan Bowman says the suspects broke into the dealership early Sunday. Nine subjects run out uh, throughout there looking for keys. One person finds where the keys were hidden. They then located and stole the cars, valued at more than $583,000. Kids nowadays are becoming more and more brazen to go out and to take a group like this and commit a crime like this. Soon after the thefts, police arrested one suspect, a 17-year-old Chicago boy, and have already recovered most of the vehicles. I'm Lisa Dwyer. When we return on America in the Morning, Walgreens kicked off the Dow. But who's in? Business news is next after these messages.
Welcome back to America in the Morning. As they still investigate exactly what knocked out their network in several parts of the nation last week, AT&T says it will give affected customers $5 each as compensation. The credit does not apply to AT&T business, prepaid service, or Cricket, its low-cost wireless service. The outage knocked out cell phone service for thousands of its users across the U.S. starting early Thursday before it was finally restored. ABC News is reporting the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security are investigating to see if a cyber intrusion was in any way a cause for the massive outage, which impacted everything from texting to making 911 emergency calls. As we continue, investors hope to see those winning ways persist on Wall Street. Here's CNBC's Peter Schack now. Investors would gladly sign up for a few more weeks like last week when a bullish earnings report from chipmaker NVIDIA sent positive ripple effects across the entire stock market and helped send the Dow and S&P 500 to record highs. But 2024 could see a particularly bumpy ride as the year progresses. Barbara Reinhardt, chief investment officer at Voya Financial's multi-asset strategies unit, says the presidential election will become more of a factor as the year goes on. You've got a very big upcoming geopolitical event, which has tended to cause some weakness in equities. We, as long-term investors, would invest through it. But I would say that there's, you're likely to have a little bit of indigestion because elections generally don't go unnoticed by the market. They do tend to cause a pullback. Also in the mix, the war in Ukraine, with this past Saturday marking the two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion, and the ongoing conflict in the Middle East, both of which have had negative effects on the global economy. That impact is being felt in the travel industry. Booking Holdings, the parent of Priceline, Kayak, and other travel services, reported that the Middle East conflict reduced the number of hotel nights booked during the fourth quarter and will continue to do so this quarter. Booking Holdings CEO Glenn Fogel, however, remains optimistic about the travel industry's prospects. We're pretty back to where we were in 2019 pre-pandemic in terms of a mix between international and domestic. Uh, certainly there was a surge of travel back and now we're getting to more normalized travel. Travel's always going to grow a little bit faster than GDP. So we get that benefit. Then there's still a tremendous number of people who are still buying travel offline. Those people will come onto online. We'll get that tailwind too. One negative for the stock market had been interest rates and the increasing certainty that the Fed would hold off on cutting rates until later in the year. But the market seems to have completely absorbed that disappointment and have now accepted that cuts will come later rather than sooner. The Dow has a new look beginning today. Peter, tell us about that. Well, starting today, the Dow has a new member, none other than Amazon.com. It replaces drugstore operator Walgreens, which had only been in the Dow since 2018 and has the rather dubious distinction of one of the shortest ever stints in the Dow. At the same time that Amazon is joining the 30 stock average, a three-for-one stock split for Walmart goes into effect. Now, that has no effect on the overall value held by Walmart shareholders, but it does reduce the per-share price of Walmart and therefore the influence it has over the daily movements of the Dow. And also this morning, another Dow average is undergoing a change, with JetBlue out of the Dow Jones Transportation Average and Uber Technologies going in. CNBC's Peter Schack now with Monday Business. Consumers battle to lower prices when America in the Morning continues after these messages.
Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. In San Diego, U.S. Border Patrol agents purportedly released hundreds of migrants at a bus stop and told they were on their own. Norman Hall reports the move was due to a lack of funding. Hundreds of migrants were dropped off at a San Diego bus stop instead of a reception center that had been serving as a staging area because it ran out of local funding sooner than expected. The emergency shows how the largest city on the country's southern border is struggling to cope with the unprecedented influx of people. Migrants who previously had a safe place to charge phones, use the bathroom, eat a meal, and arrange to head elsewhere in the U.S. were left on the street. The nonprofit forced to close its doors had received $6 million to operate through March. Other migrant aid groups scrambled to help out as best they could with makeshift arrangements. I'm Norman Hall. We're all still paying more for gasoline and groceries, but analysts say consumers are now fighting back against high prices and, in some cases, coming out ahead. Correspondent Jackie Quinn explains. An investment strategist at Corbu says some companies like Pepsi, Kimberly Clark, and Procter and Gamble exploited supply chain disruptions by dramatically raising their prices and increasing their profits. Consumers are fighting back against prices that remain about 20% higher than they were before the pandemic, choosing things like store brand groceries over name brands, cutting down on snack foods, and switching to discount stores. When it comes to car buying, there are changes, too, with more drivers purchasing used vehicles. That's forcing some dealers to start offering discounts again. I'm Jackie Quinn. America in the Morning for Monday, February 26, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Here's what's coming up this half hour. A potential pick for VP, all the buzz at CPAC over the weekend. I'm Clayton Neville. As the war against Ukraine enters its third year, the White House is trying to get Congress to approve more military aid. I'm Jackie Quinn. Athens resident Jose Antonio Ibarra was taken into custody for the death of 22-year-old Lakin Hope Riley. I'm Julie Walker. A scary scene outside Washington's Israeli embassy and student athletes killed in a Colorado car crash. We'll have those stories. Bob Marley continued to dominate the box office. I'm Kevin Carr. Oppenheimer won the top award at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. I'm Archie Zaroleta. Back after these messages. America in the Morning continues a Chamber of Commerce forecast for many cities across the nation. With details, here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. The nicest weather in the nation today will be found across the southeast. Partly the mostly sunny skies will be the rule here today, with highs mostly in the 70s. Pleasant and mild weather will also be found across much of the central U.S. The northern and central plains will have highs ranging from the 50s across the north to 60s and 70s further south. It will be quite warm across the southern plains with highs in the 80s 
80s with a summer-like warmth across western Texas, where highs will top off in the 90s this afternoon. Across the northeast will be a few snow showers around early this morning, with a mix of rain and snow showers closer to the coast, including places like Boston. A stray shower cannot be ruled out as far south as New York City, but morning clouds will give way to more sunshine and milder temperatures across much of the northeast this afternoon, making for a pleasant day for late February. More clouds and a couple of showers will be found across the central Appalachians into Virginia. The Great Lakes will have partly sunny skies with highs in the 40s and 50s. Which has been the case recently, most of the active weather will be focused out west today as we'll have rain up and down the west coast from Washington to California. Nothing all that heavy or widespread is expected, but wet roads and reduced visibility can lead to slower travel and delays from Los Angeles and San Francisco northward to Portland. There'll be just enough cold air in place that a few wet snowflakes can mix in with the rain around Seattle. Rain will spread further east across the valleys of northern Nevada, Idaho, and Utah, with snow spilling over across the mountains. Snow will also fall over the Cascades into eastern Oregon and western Montana, with a little snow breaking out across the Colorado Rockies. Further south, a few showers will dot parts of northern Arizona and New Mexico. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Remember to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. Republicans at CPAC sound off on a number of topics, including potential vice presidential candidates. As former President Trump holds on to a commanding lead in the polls, correspondent Clayton Neville reports. The annual Conservative Political Action Conference surrounded former President Donald Trump's bid for the presidency and pushed Trump's successes while he was in office. The message also was directed at the country's current leadership. Republican South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem among Trump allies who took the CPAC stage. Joe Biden is not fit to be president, and Kamala is no backup plan. <laughs> it is not the government's job to simply do everything for people. It is the job of the government to empower people to do things for themselves. Congressman Matt Gates had a message for his fellow Republicans on Capitol Hill. Don't get me wrong, I'd prefer to just fight the Democrats, but if the Republicans are gonna dress up like Democrats in drag, then I will lead the fight against them too. There's plenty of speculation over whether any of the speakers are being considered as Trump's potential running mate. With Trump's win over Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina over the weekend, many are expecting Trump to sail to a nomination. Vivek Ramaswamy, who dropped out of the presidential race, said that America needs Trump's leadership. The best measure of our country's health is the percentage of people who feel free to say what they actually think in public. Right now, we're doing poorly. Other high-profile Republicans who spoke at CPAC, Congressman Byron Donalds, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, Carrie Lake, and others. A CPAC straw poll asked members who they would want to see as Trump's potential VP. With Noam and Ramaswamy getting 15%, followed by Tulsi Gabbard, former Democratic state rep, at 9%. On Saturday, Trump took the stage. For hardworking Americans, November 5th will be our new Liberation Day, but for the liars and cheaters and fraudsters and censors and imposters who have commandeered our government, it will be their judgment day, their judgment day. He referred to the court cases and criminal charges against him and said prosecutors are trying to take away his liberty. If there's any shred of justice left, they will fail and we will win. And so far, we're doing very nicely. Thank you. 
But I would rather lose my freedom than surrender to this group of thugs and tyrants and fascists, scoundrels and rogues. The more the corrupt establishment tries to stop us, the more you know the day is near at hand when we will break free from their grip. We're going to break free very soon. The straw poll also asked outright who's preferred as the Republican presidential nominee. No surprise, based on the crowd, Trump beat Haley 94 to 5%. I'm Clayton Neville. As we pass the two-year anniversary of the war that started when Russia invaded Ukraine, there is a renewed push for U.S. aid to Kyiv. As correspondent Jackie Quinn reports, there are some in Congress who want to address problems at home before focusing on situations abroad. As the war against Ukraine enters its third year, the White House is trying to get Congress to approve more military aid. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan agrees with Ukraine's defense minister. They could push back the Russian invasion if they had the military tools they need. There is not a shortage of bravery or courage on the part of the Ukrainians. Right now, there's a shortage of bullets. And the way to fill that shortage is for the Congress on a bipartisan basis to pass funding that will give Ukraine the tools it needs to succeed and to ensure that Russia fails in this brutal conquest. Sullivan on Fox News Sunday says it's up to Congress to approve the aid. Let's take a step back. Two years ago this month, everyone predicted that Ukraine would fall in a week or two, that Russia would march into the capital of Ukraine, Kyiv, subjugate and dominate the country and wipe it off the map. Well, that didn't happen. And two years later, not only did that not happen, not only does Kyiv stand, but Ukraine has actually taken back half the territory that Russia occupied in those initial months of the war. South Carolina Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace on Fox says U.S. aid to Ukraine can't be endless. We've given Ukraine over a hundred billion dollars so far in their endeavor to defeat Russia. But this is what the left does. They don't want to talk about policy and Biden's failed mission in Ukraine. They want to say that Republicans are pro-Putin and pro-Russia, when nothing could be further from the truth. What we really are is pro-America, our citizens and our national security. She's questioning the long-term strategy. This administration is putting the borders of other nations first rather than our own. And before anything else happens with Ukraine and U.S. funding for Ukraine, I want to know is what are we doing about the invasion and our national security at our southern border? That should be the number one priority of Joe Biden in this administration. I'm Jackie Quinn. Still, many unanswered questions surrounding the death of a 22-year-old University of Georgia nursing student and the man charged with her murder who illegally entered the U.S. near El Paso, Texas. Following the story, correspondent Julie Walker. Athens resident Jose Antonio Ibarra was taken into custody Friday for the death of 22-year-old Lake and Hope Riley, says University of Georgia Police Chief Jeff Clark. He did not know her at all. Um, I think this was a crime of opportunity uh, where he saw an individual um, and uh, bad things happened. The chief says a trail of evidence, including video, led them to the 26-year-old suspect who faces a slew of charges in the Thursday murder of Riley, who was found near running trails. It is supported by key input from the community, physical evidence, and expert police work. Importantly, we were assisted by video footage this is a heartbreaking time for the university. Audio courtesy WSB, Clark says Ibarra doesn't have an extensive criminal history and is not a U.S. citizen, but he doesn't know his immigration status. I'm Julie Walker. 
When we return on America in the Morning, bring your kayak to Death Valley and major healthcare provider hit with cyber attack. Those stories and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. I'm John Trout. This is America in the Morning. In the Middle East, more concern in the waters off Yemen, where Houthis, backed by Iran, launched a missile that nearly struck an oil tanker in the Gulf of Aden. This comes after British and U.S. coalition forces targeted more than a dozen airstrikes against terrorist sites in Yemen. Meanwhile, negotiators are inching closer to a temporary truce between Israel and Hamas that would allow for about a fourth of the Israeli hostages still being held to be freed. Correspondent Rika N. Garcia reports. This includes the release of dozens of hostages held in Gaza, as well as Palestinians imprisoned by Israel. The Israeli chief of staff also spoke about the negotiations in a meeting with IDF commanders. We are also in days of negotiating for the release of the hostages. I can't say what it will lead to. There are those who are dealing with it. We are dealing with combat. Hamas says it has not yet been involved in the latest proposal developed by the United States, Egypt and Qatar. But the reported outline matches what they have previously demanded for an initial truce. Meanwhile, heavy fighting is still ongoing in parts of northern Gaza, where the destruction is affecting its residents. With food so scarce, people are becoming reliant on a weed known as common mallow to feed their families. I'm Rika Ann Garcia. In Washington, D.C., a U.S. service member is in critical condition after he set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy. In a video posted online, the man, dressed in military fatigues, began shouting, Free Palestine, before setting himself ablaze. U.S. Secret Service patrolling the area quickly were able to extinguish the flames. An Air Force spokeswoman confirmed that it was an active-duty airman involved in the Sunday afternoon incident. The name of that member of the United States Air Force was not released. Tragedy on a Colorado highway after athletes from the University of Wyoming were killed in a car crash. Correspondent Haya Panjwani reports. Three swimmers from the University of Wyoming swimming and diving team were killed in a highway crash. The crash happened south of the Wyoming-Colorado line. The accident injured two other team members who were expected to survive, according to a statement from the university. It apparently happened when the driver swerved off the pavement and the vehicle rolled over multiple times. The University of Wyoming president says they're heartsick at the news. I'm Haya Panjwani. Kayakers have been paddling in one of the driest places on Earth after a series of storms battered California's Death Valley and replenished Lake Manly. Lisa Dwyer reports. It's the lowest point uh, in North America, so it's going to collect water. But to have as much water as we have now and for it to be as deep and lasting as long as it has, this is extremely uncommon. Park ranger Nicole Andler. If it's not once in a lifetime, it's nearly like I would expect that I myself might see this one more time in my life, but maybe not. Days Shearer was paddleboarding with friends. It's like I'm in Death Valley and I'm looking around, but I'm in Death Valley paddleboarding. <laughs> so we're, we're calling ourselves the, the, uh, the new Death Valley Paddleboarding Club. Park rangers say kayakers should come soon since water levels are expected to drop in a matter of weeks. I'm Lisa Dwyer. 
United Healthcare Group has been experiencing nearly a week-long cyber attack and continues to struggle with outages. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. According to the website ChangeHealthcare.com, was experiencing network interruptions due to a cybersecurity threat. They believe the disruption would last at least through the day and would provide more information. Later in the day, they updated a status to say that once they became aware of the outside threat in interest of protecting their partners and patients, they took immediate action to disconnect their systems to prevent further impact. They later updated the status on Thursday to say that Change Healthcare and all other systems across United Health Group were operational and they expected to have the issue resolved shortly. By Friday, they updated the status to say that they were still offline and they have a high level of confidence that Optum United Health and United Health Group systems have not been affected. As of late last night, they report they continue to have problems and they have filed a report with the SEC. For links to the report or to leave a comment, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Robert Workman Sports is sponsored by Untuck It. Shop online at untuckit.com or at our 80-plus stores for the perfect-fitting untucked shirt. Untuck It. NBA Sunday, the Thunder won its fifth straight, 123-110 over the Rockets, 36 for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, I think we're a really mature group for our age. Part of its feel, we have guys who want to win and want to play the right way and have had, had success doing so. The Nuggets got 32 points, 16 rebounds, and 16 assists from Nikola Jokic as they whipped the Warriors. Jokic has posted three straight triple-doubles. Bucks blasted the Sixers, 30 for Giannis Adetokounmpo in Coach Doc Rivers' return to Philadelphia, where he coached the last three years. Pacers pummeled the Mavericks. Miles Turner with a season-high 33. You no, know, I think we still have a lot of work to do. Obviously, I think uh, we put ourselves in a good position, but we still have, uh, you know, uh, 24 more games left to try to make some more hay. King sailed past the Clippers. De'Aaron Fox pumped in 33. Cavaliers whacked the Wizards. Washington has dropped 11 in a row. Hornets buzzed the Blazers. Portland has lost 8 straight. Jazz stomped the Spurs to snap a 5-game skid. Bulls got by the Pelicans. Suns baked the Lakers. And the Hawks soared over the Magic. But Atlanta will be without its star guard Trey Young for a month after surgery on his left pinky. College basketball number 3 Purdue defeated Michigan. Zach Eady 35 points and 15 rebounds. The defending National Player of the Year hitting 35 for the third time this year. Number 7 Mark Mauled Xavier Cam Jones with 34 points for the second straight game, this time on his 22nd birthday. NHL the Blue Jackets ripped the Rangers 4-2, ending New York's franchise record-tying 10-game winning streak. Lightning zapped the Devils. Nikita Kucherov with a goal and three assists. He's got 102 points, the first player to crack the century mark this season. Predators doubled up the Ducks for their fifth straight win. Red Wings rallied past the Blackhawks in overtime. Former Hawk Patrick Kane netting the winner in his old stomping grounds. Detroit has won five in a row. Jets nipped the Coyotes in overtime time on Kyle Connor's second of the night. Sabres slipped past the Hurricanes in a shootout, and the Penguins outgunned the Flyers 7-6. That's Monday Sports. Thank you, sir. When America in the Morning continues, massive auto recall and crickets at the box office after these messages. This is America in the Morning. 
Two car makers issue recalls. First, BMW wants the owners of nearly 80,000 cars, including X1s, X5s, and X7s, to head back to the dealership after reports of a defect in the ABS and stability control systems could cause power braking to fail. This as Toyota is recalling 280,000 pickup trucks and SUVs over a transmission software issue that could cause the vehicle to keep moving even when it's in neutral. Slow weekend at the box office, the second weekend in a row with lackluster ticket sales. Kevin Carr has details. The reggae sound fended off a flurry of new releases this week. And a superstar. Bob Marley, One Love, repeated as box office champ with $13.5 million for the weekend. This brings the global haul to more than $120 million after only two weeks. Because we're not going to let it win! Crunchyroll's Demon Slayer Hashira training sliced into second place with $11.6 million. That improves on the $10 million opening of the previous Demon Slayer Swordsmith Village last year. Something about that little girl without a mom. Sick. And the family bled dry from all the hospital bills. I think I'm supposed to help. In third place was the uplifting faith-based film Ordinary Angels with $6.5 million. That's on the low end of faith-based openings. Still, it's a pretty good start for the modest $13 million production. I can see the future. Seeing the future is only the start. Last week's superhero flop Madam Web continued to stumble, dropping into fourth place with $6 million. And Universal's animated hit Migration soared to the fifth place spot with $3 million. The other new release this week, Ethan Cohen's Drive-Away Dolls, stalled out with only $2.4 million for eighth place. That is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Next week, theaters will have a pick-me-up when Denis Villeneuve's highly anticipated Dune Part 2 sweeps into theaters. I'm Kevin Carr. And with more in entertainment news, here's correspondent Margie Zaraleta. Oppenheimer won the top award at the Screen Actors Guild Awards on Saturday. Elizabeth Debicki of The Crown forgot her shoes when she won because she figured she'd lose. I didn't do the kind of check what you should do if you think you have to get up. So, you know, so my shoes weren't really on my feet. So then I had to kick them off. Seth Meyers has no idea if he'll ever wear a suit again while hosting Late Night. He says there was no point when there was no audience during the pandemic, and he likes being casual. Meyers will mark 10 years as host of Late Night with a celebration on Monday's episode. Every time it rains, it rains, and it's from heaven. Rod Stewart and Jules Holland collaborated on a new album called Swing Fever, a collection of big band tunes. Stewart says his only rule was no slow songs. Stewart says he's also got a country record in the works. I'm Archie Zaraleta. America in the Morning for Monday, February 26, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.